Welcome to Hermophobia number 25. I'm Alan. And I'm Mark. And today we have a guest with us. This is uh, Ross. He's come to school us in science fiction. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for having me on the show, guys. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. This is uh, this is going to be cool, having, uh, having a third person to bounce everything off of. Yippee! So this is like um, our 25th um, episode. It's like our silverback edition or something. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and today we're doing a, one of our end of cycle specials on science fiction and fantasy films. So let's throw it out here, guys. What is a science fiction film? That is a hard question because there's so many different different things. Like, ugh. well, what? Like, what in a film would you automatically say? Okay, this is a science fiction film because uh, something futuristic, something with aliens. That could all be science fiction. Um. But then you, you run into the problem about what about movies that were made like in 1970 that were science fiction, which now it's like we've already bypassed that tech, you know, like, it's crazy. It is. Well, and then you've got, you know, is, um, like, okay, movie, have you ever seen um, From Beyond? Probably. Where you had um, separate dimensions <laughs> and things were crossing in and out of those dimensions. So when you start talking about that kind of sort of heady science fiction stuff like is that a science fiction film even though it was like pretty graphic and bloody and monsters in it and stuff like that have you ever seen it, it was based on an hp lovecraft i don't know now when, when you talk about it no it doesn't sound familiar yeah or what about something like um time after time the malcolm mcdowell film where he he comes from the past to track yes, down Jack the Ripper. Jack Ripper, yes, I remember that. They yeah. go through the time travel machine. So, is it a mystery thriller detective story, or is it a science fiction film? Because it's got the whole time machine thing in it. Yeah, yeah. crazy. So what What are your thoughts on it, Russ? Let's see. Well, um, I agree with uh, you, Alan. That you know, there's some elements can be sci-fi. It's it's uh, what we said or we were talking about before the show started. Uh, you can take a movie like Dark Knight and consider it a science fiction movie just because there's gadgets and concepts in the movie that are science fiction. However, you have to look at the overall theme, and I'd say the theme in that movie is superhero or the, the myth of the super being, and there's uh, science fiction concepts introduced into the movie. Um, we also tend to hinge on science fiction by looking at the science in terms of sitting in a lab or making robots or, or building things to have to do with traditional science we think about in schools and such when you took your grade 12 science class. Um, however, there's other elements such as uh, society. You could look at social science or um, uh, civilizations and, and all that can come into play in terms of science fiction. Well, science fiction, do you think science fiction on, on film is um, sort of translated the same way that it is on, like, science fiction novels and stuff like that? Um, like Dune, like, David Lynch made a version of Dune, but there was no way that he could be as expansive as the novel was. 
So oh, you ended up with this no. kind of, you know what I mean? Do you think that there's any original science fiction being made that's sort of that heady? Yes, I do. And unfortunately, it's not on the big screen. It's on the small screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, a lot of it uh, did start, or there, there, there's a lot of crossover between between big screen and small screen, though. And like like BSG, um, it had a theatrical release back what in uh, 79, 80? I think uh, it was 79. 78, a year after um, Star Wars. Which, by the way, here's a little bit of trivia: um, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica was first uh, conceived as being titled Star Worlds. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> because. Um, Coming off Star Wars, everybody wanted a piece of the Star Wars pie, and um, they, uh, I, what was it, Universal decided to call it Star Worlds, so that, uh, you know, you could, you, hang around back in 78, you could say, hey guys, let's go see Star Worlds, and everyone would think maybe you're going to Star Wars, but then you end up seeing some something else, which was actually a two-hour pilot movie that they decided to distribute uh-huh. as a two-hour movie to capitalize on on. Because there wasn't much going on in Outside 78. the U.S., though. It, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't play theatrically in the U.S., just in Canada and Europe. So. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But we did get a different version. We, we saw Our Baltar uh, get his head cut off. And yeah. in, in the U.S., the, he, he, his life was spared. There was even some nudity, wasn't there, when uh, Starbuck was banging the blonde? It's all covered in... Cassiopeia? In, yeah, it's all covered yeah. in mist when, uh, when you see it on the, on the TV pilot. But when you saw the theatrical one, there was breastage. <laughs> well, it's been so long since I saw it in the theater, man. Because I actually did see it in the theater. Yeah. Crazy. But what you were saying earlier, um, television has the opportunity to establish um, concepts that we can connect to in in our current society, and and then it can take us into the unknown, such mm-hmm. as Battlestar Galactica. A lot of a lot of the relationships are formed in the show that reflect current mm-hmm. times, political. And- well, and and there's such a fast turnaround in TV as well. Like, uh, you've got a show being being shot, and then within four months it's on TV. Whereas like movies, they do a lot longer, so yeah, they're not they're not they're not quite as current. Depending on how fast they make it, but happen, but like, a science fiction movie with, with, with all of its effects, yeah, yeah, yeah there's it's... there's a certain amount of post production, but um, I mean they're doing reshoots for um, Wolverine right now, and it's going to be in theaters in what like a month. Mm-hmm. So the turnaround time on film can be pretty quick in this day and age now too. So yeah, I guess with yeah the faster servers, faster uh... renderings, and yeah. yeah. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. We're gonna I guess there's gonna be a lot of crossovers and mm-hmm. you know, try and try and keep things on course as much as possible. Um, before we start we're we're basically only gonna look at the, the films of the seventies, eighties, nineties, and two thousands the same as we have been doing with um with, with our look back at, at film by year. Mm-hmm. But um so we're not gonna be looking into the sixties and fifties horror or I'm sorry, science fiction, the 
the the saucers on wires and yeah, the, the, <laughs> uh, the like golden age of yeah. science fiction. But let's talk about one for just a minute that came out just before 1970, and that'd be uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yes, uh, yes. Um, I've seen it a few times. Explain to me what the fuck that movie is about. <laughs> uh, I saw it when it was um, it was released for was it 68. Yeah, but I saw it... Uh, God, you were like, what, 40 then? Shut your hole. I saw it uh, in 98 in Edmonton when I lived there. Uh, they, uh, re- they, they re-released it. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody there explaining to you as the film went on? No, I... Was about? Or how does this I found a lot of parts of it. Shh. I found a lot of parts of it, like, really annoying. Like, that, that high-pitched buzz that's... Yeah, that goes on and on and on for. But what's it about? Uh, I I actually met Gary Lockwood about three years ago. Um, He he actually he lives on the island, Vancouver Island, um, where we're located, Vancouver. So Gary Lockwood lives in. I I don't know if this is. I shouldn't tell this. Or we'll bleep it out later if 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 it's uh, (laughs) breaching his confidentiality (laughs) where where he lives. He lives in Saanich and. um, His address is Elm Street, <laughs> and um, he was the uh, he was the astronaut who was uh, who was killed by Hal in the movie. Okay. And um, I, I I asked him a few questions. I did a thesis in uh, a postgraduate thesis about two thousand and one, and 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 it's um, how it parallels creationism and 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 creating new life. And and twenty you you have to watch twenty ten as well. I know it came something like ten years. 15, 15 19, it came out in 1984, so yeah. 16 years later. But I think both movies um, still work really well together, and you need to watch both to get the whole sense of what the whole intent was of, of the, the original story. Um, I, I enjoy the director, uh, Kubrick, Kubrick and, and, and the director of 2010, Himes, Peter Himes, I think it was. And um, uh, I've never seen 2010. I tried to watch it, and it was like... So I turned it oh, off. I tried watching it ages ago, but then Helen Mirren's in it, so I was kind of like, oh, oh yes, that. Helen Mirren, <laughs> yes. But um, it was it was about creating new life, and and I don't I don't think two thousand one was able to. Well, of course, at the end, you do see the Star Child coming back to Earth, which was, symbolized the 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 fact that Earth or human beings had reached a new level of evolution um, mm-hmm. after going through all all they had done. Um, it it's really hit at home in 2010 because uh, at the end of the movie, new life was created on Europa, which was a moon of Jupiter, and Jupiter became a sun. Um, I to basically encapsulate this all into uh, two minutes. Uh, my thesis was about how how basically we impregnated the solar system and turned created new life through uh, reaching. That was our next step in evolution, and. Um, something we'll talk about later probably was so, Battlestar Galactica. About, so we um, became God, in other words, what you're saying? Well, um, we weren't. We we became gods eventually, but um, it was it was, we had parameters that were put in place by an alien technology that had been been put in place many 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 millennia ago before we we evolved. That was the monoliths that you saw with the monkeys mm-hmm. touching it and such. And uh, well, then we see several of them flying towards the camera at the end, isn't there? Monkeys? No. <laughs> Mono- monoliths. Monoliths. 
Oh, yeah. um, at the end of which one? You get to the, right before the Star Child, before they show the Star Child, doesn't as, as he's going through space, oh. there are a whole bunch of monoliths kind of. Oh, the tri- the by. trippy scene at the end. Yeah. yeah well, um, I don't know if he had monoliths in there. I, I'll have to look at. It. But I know in 2010 there was um, a scene at the end where the monoliths are. Re- uh, there's a whole bunch of them duplicating on on Jupiter. So okay, so let me start for a sec. So are, do the monoliths then represent the alien intelligence that? Well, you can interpret it that way, but um, the monoliths duplicating on Jupiter, uh, you can interpret as um, basically cells dividing in a new life form. Yeah. Okay. I I almost thought I thought of them as like seeds. For exactly, yeah, for, and, and yeah. what like better a, carrier of seeds would would other than the Odyssey, the uh, the very phallic spaceship that flies all the way to Jupiter? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Okay, okay, it's heavy, heavy, big, you know, yeah, big, giant dildo, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looked like. Then, and, so then, okay, this then the whole man versus machine and the artificial intelligence is that sort of a sort of a sub theme subplot. Well, yeah, how hell didn't want humans to evolve to reach a consciousness as 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 at the same level or higher than how and how how represented technology. Um, a, a common urban legend was how was um was was one word uh, one letter off from IBM. Yeah, H. Um, but it, it was it was uh, that's actually being proven not to be the case that they had actually I forget what hell stood for but um, hell was trying to sabotage the whole trip because um, because it, it was showing that a technology will never will never have be able to function on its own it will always need humans and B um, Hal didn't want us to uh, continue and and grow as a as a race and 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 evolve. Okay. So cool. I <laughs> I still don't get it, but cool. Um. But okay. How about the um? How about the image of space that we were given in it? How much how much influence do you think um, two thousand and one had, especially in something like Star Wars? Well, I I I liked a lot of it. Uh, it was very beautifully done, uh, considering. That in nineteen, well, they they, they were shooting at what in sixty eight, and sixty six. Oh, they they, they were shooting sixty six. Um, wow, it started in sixty six. But he, you know, it's Kubrick, so Kubrick took yeah, years. I mean, yeah. it was fourteen fourteen months for Eyes Wide Shut. I know that had no that had very little special effects other than yeah. uh, digitally removing Moving genitals, genitals, yeah. and and fornication. Yeah. I I don't want my genitals digitally removed. Thank you. Um. Wow! I totally lost my train of thought. Well, but the the, the spacecraft and and space the way it was represented in the film, like do you, do you see the. I just got stuck thinking about my genitals. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's uh. Um. Their their whole their whole way that they did the weightlessness stuff, like like uh, the pen flying through the air. But I was thinking more in terms of like the spaceships moving through space and stuff like that. Like we didn't really kind of see, you know what I mean? Like prior to that, it was the models were kind of like rockets on wires that they just kind of jiggled as it, they had mm-hmm. like some sort of starry background. Like the the space that you see in in um, 2001 is, is essentially what you do see again in Star Wars, but just a little bit speedier. And I mean, just in terms of, of how well the models were and how realistic it looked and the matte paintings yeah yeah 
So I think I think it kind of really kind of kicked things off for sci-fi in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and like I, I'll I'll still think like it's it's a great movie. I've got a really uh, one of my favorite quotes is from that movie. It's like, my God, it's full of stars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's one of mine too. Um, and 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 you were saying that you know the the models in, in two thousand one were were very impressive. Douglas Trumbull was was that was one of his first gigs uh, as a model maker. Um, I, I I can't tell if it was more Kubrick's vision to to make it so slow paced. And I, I'm glad they had an orchestral score at least to go along with it because it sort of <laughs> added some sort of flow to uh, watching this go on and on and on and on. <laughs> but um, but it also gave you a sense of, wow, this is really boring up here in space. Yes. Well, but then Trumbull continued to do this. He did Silent Running in 73, which was basically a bunch of slow-moving spaceships, <laughs> and he did a whole bunch of long shots. The only thing I've seen of Trumbull's that actually was fast-paced was the Back to the Future ride, which uh, – he filmed for Universal um, Studios. It was a motion ride, and that was pretty fast-paced. But yeah, of course, you're gonna do that if you only have five minutes. Yeah. Um, and uh... <laughs> can you imagine the like 2001 ride at, at Universal Studios? It's like yeah, five minutes of just sitting there going, oh, "Wow!" Listen to some engine hum and just <laughs> a couple little computer beeps. Yeah. So we were looking at the uh, all-time top 25 films, um, and we see that uh, of the top 25, 18 of these are science fiction or fantasy films. Um, do you guys want to read through what we've got that, that were... Well, it says Shrek 2, but it, but it's not highlighted as fantasy. Well, that's, see, that's the thing. Like we were talking about it or earlier, Pirates of the Caribbean. See, I, would you call yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, well, if I was a fantasy. a fantasy, I mean, Twelve is Passion of the Christ. If I was Islamic, I'd say that was a fantasy <laughs> too, right? I mean, yeah, Finding Nemo, uh, Talking sure. Animals. Sure. That's sure. fantasy too. I, really, but, but okay. But let's let's go through the ones that um, really, okay, pretty much in, unarguably. Science fiction we got here. Starting at 25, we've got um, Star Wars Episode Two: The Attack of the Clones. Right. Yeah. I, some some diehard science fiction fans would say that that's a space opera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, operatic themes are are are, are tragedies that that ha- happen to be in science in, in set in space or a long time ago in a galaxy far away. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, 24 is uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, fantasy film. Yeah. Uh, Indiana yeah. Jones and the uh, Kingdom of the Christmas Crystal Skull. They introduced aliens in this film, too. So yeah, right. that, that gives it some sci-fi cred. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a tricky one. Because, yeah, I was right at the... Oh, but... Oh, we're totally spoiling that for you if you haven't seen it already, guys. I haven't seen it. So <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows, man. Well, they they tend to keep very very vague about about whether the aliens where the aliens came from or whether it was from outer space or if they were from the future or what have you. It it, it was like it was like the Ark and and, and the Temple of Doom. You you didn't really couldn't really know exactly what the source of the of the mystical properties and, and whatever they were looking for the MacGuffin of the movie. Um, so sure, there was some space, science fiction elements, but. 
Was that the overall theme? Well, yeah. That's just that's just it. So okay, we got uh, twenty. Well, actually, before you go on there, uh, there's still the fantasy aspect of this, like sixty odd year old man swinging around on a on a whip. <laughs> yes. well, at that level, then Pretty Woman's a science fiction film because you know <laughs> yeah. Hollywood yeah. meets generous millionaire, yeah. <laughs> sensitive millionaire, you know. So, um, so twenty two Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone fantasy film. Yeah. Yes. Um, you probably don't have much more to say about that, do you? I, you know what? Yeah, I, I he hasn't watched a single one of them. So. I'm, I'm a, I've listened to most of these podcasts, and yeah. I, I can tell Ellen just. I'm not into the. I'm <laughs> yeah. not into like the hard, like I would call that hardcore fantasy. Like that's you know the whole, you know, wizards and witches <laughs> and shit like that. And it's it that kind of like is like um, repellent for me. So <laughs> the Lord of the Rings movies. I've I've seen one. I saw the first one, and if I hadn't seen it at work, I probably would never have seen it. And wow, a three-hour movie of somebody walking. Yeah, <laughs> and the same as the first Harry Potter movie. I've seen it, and and I'm not going to rag on them because I know that people really really like them, and I'm sure that if I enjoyed that type of movie, I would enjoy them. But I don't. So, so I think I think deep down there's something wrong with you. Oh, are you new? <laughs> Okay, yes. 21, Iron Man, um, science fiction and fantasy. There's a bit of crossover there, wouldn't you say? So the yeah. fantasy element being well, the whole the, comic book the, thing? The superhero part, yeah. And that Robert Downey Jr. Um, got a box office hit. That's pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 17, Forrest Gump, fantasy film. Oh, you missed Transformers. Oh, oh, that, one, that one is totally oh, no. science fiction. <laughs> Number 20, yeah. Transformers. Definitely... Oh. Yeah. Science, well, the Transformers are aliens, right? Right. So, science fiction. Yeah. Um, 17 Forrest Gump. See, I, I, I couldn't figure that out. I, 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 it came up on a few searches for, for top uh, top movies, sci-fi movies. I, I can't see the, the science fiction element or fantasy element. Oh, totally fantasy, though. I mean, he, they're, they're restructuring history around this one person. It's... <laughs> But that, but then you could say any any auto autobiographical autobiographical movie is a fantasy because there's always an element that's being construed a little more to make the plot go better. I mean, Frost versus Nixon is a recent movie that just came out. Can you say everything in that movie is is verbatim or or um, if not, then it's Frost versus Nixon is the is the uh, best fantasy film running for Academy Awards right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, sort of, but not really. Both those characters are real people. Forrest Gump never existed. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's true. But but once again, our, I mean, Ale, I know you like Alexander. You've talked about it on your podcast that that uh, or was that? Am I thinking of the other movie? I don't mind uh, that Alexander. Ridley Scott movie. Gladiator. Um, Oh, no, Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. I mean, are all the characters in Kingdom of Heaven... Uh, well, no, but you'd still call that... But a, you wouldn't call it call fantasy that, film. No, you'd call it historical drama. So, Forrest Gump is historical gr- drama. Okay. Well, that's my opinion. I'm, I don't know. Forrest Gump, I would wipe my ass with it, quite frankly, but well, I, just, I don't really give a well, shit about it. But, well, the I mean, DVD covers would kind of hurt your ass if you're wiping it. <laughs> I'd bear through it, man, just to fucking soil that things, but... Um, Sure We're talking time. too much about Forrest Gump. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 16, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Um, 14, uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. 
Fantasy mm-hmm. again. And I think we've got the whole trilogy in here. Uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. There's aspects of the of the science in it though mm-hmm. that are is real. Well, well yeah. a little bit, a little bit beyond what we're doing right yeah. now. Oh well, yeah. Okay. But you know, there's even even since the release of the movie '93, there's been so many uh, accomplishments done in cloning and yeah. They just cloned mm-hmm. the first pet. I believe yeah. it was a dog yeah. or something. Yeah. Florida. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope it's completely wrong. <laughs> it's like, like some dark version of their dog. Okay, there's, well, there's a dark part of me that really hopes that it... <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. Um, Eleven, Spider-Man 2, carrying on the the, 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 the series there. Uh, Ten, Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King. Uh, nine, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Eight, the first Spider-Man. Six, Star Wars. We're seeing a bit of a pattern here. Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Number five, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Undeniably, come on. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, Robert Robert Highland. Um, one of his famous books is Stranger in a Strange Land, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that epitomizes science fiction. You have to have a character who um, is introduced into a strange new world. You have to first uh, bond with that character. Um, for example, Star Wars. That was quintessentially why Star Wars was such a successful movie because we bonded with Luke Skywalker. He was in Tatooine. Of course, it was a desert planet, but it could be where Lucas grew up in Modesto, California. Uh, basically, a small little farming community. And um, uh, we, we, a lot of, basically, Heartland America could bond with, with the character in Star Wars and, and connect with them. And yeah, because he wanted bigger and better things for himself. Besides. Exactly. So once that connection was made, and and Lucas was brilliant in 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 uh, creating that connection with the audience. Sure, there's a lot of whiz bang, great great opening, but then we were down on Tatooine, and there was it was basically half an hour of 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 our emotional attachment to this character, and then you could take that character and basically put them anywhere else, and we went along with the ride with E.T. the extraterrestrial. It's the same thing, but um, we we connected with the characters in suburbia, basically uh, Southern California suburbs in the early '80s, and and um, the stranger was ET in the mm-hmm. strange land, and it, and it threw everything on its head because before then it was always uh, taking a human character, and putting it in a strange world, and and having an alien come in to Southern Cal- oh, California true, yeah. was yeah. was very different at the time. I love that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It made me cry yeah. in the theater. Yes. Uh, number three is uh, Star Wars Episode Four, and number two, The Dark Knight. So now, I'm I'm kind of concerned that uh, uh, all the Star Wars ones, uh, you've got one, two, and three there, and four, but mm-hmm. you would assume four would be in there. But how come how come six isn't in there? Don't ask me, dude. I don't sell the tickets. Return of the Jedi <laughs> is actually at three. I believe it's just cracking three hundred million. So it'd probably be in the top fifty easily. Yeah. But okay, so science fiction films obviously sell a lot of tickets when they when they hit, like yeah. anything else. Yeah. But I mean, they they dominate the top top twenty five. There's a, what, what what did you say like seventy seventy two percent or seventy eight yeah. percent or something like that? Seventy two percent. So why do they not get the same respect that um, 
dramas and action films and all that sort of stuff get in terms of, you know, critical success, um, awards and whatnot. I mean, generally these kinds of films get technical awards and that's it. Yeah, like best special effects. Like I think the first yeah. Star Wars was nominated for an Academy Award. E.T. was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, the last uh, Lord of the Rings film um, was nominated and won. But that is really an anomaly. Like that does not happen generally in terms of, mm-hmm. of the Oscars for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, for example, well, you use the Oscars. Um, Oscars is a measurement of your acting um and how well you can act basically or how well can how can you how well can you write a story and i guess the academy relates more to how well we emulate current society i mean if you use a science fiction movie though it's it can be all it can be anything basically and um it's hard to gauge whether an actor is actually acting or is just off it off the his or her meds <laughs> Do you think perhaps too that maybe science fiction is carrying a lot of baggage from the those forties, fifties, and sixties films that were saucers on wires? And because they... like when you think okay, science fiction film, you, you automatically feel that it's uh, it's it's going to be lesser than say a drama or a comedy or a you dramedy. know it's going to be a limited audience. You know, for the most part, um, you know, like these films are all extremely successful, but there's a lot of uh, science fiction film that, you know, just kind of rides the line rather than, mm. you know, go really, really crazy. And, and they tend to be opening weekend heavy as well, too. So it's science fiction fans that, that tend to attend these films more so than the general public. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the, the reason you've got movies like The Dark Knight and Star Wars and, and stuff like that, and the, 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 um, the, the Rings trilogies and stuff like that, is because you have a fan base that go to these films several times over and over and over again. Yeah, like like the science fiction fantasy fan base are hardcore. Like you don't you don't see somebody going, I went to go see Bridges of Madison County eighteen times yeah. in the theater. That's a good point, but dude, you said you wouldn't tell. Well, that that was you, man. The best measurement of what you just said was the bo for for Serenity, and that was about fifty million. Because there is no no other demographic that attended that movie other than a sci sci fi fan. Yeah. Do you agree? Uh, I would, and mostly people that had either watched the TV series before, or people who were being dragged there by people who had watched this the series. And and the final box office was about fifty million dollars. So if you subtract that from say Dark Knight, or um, I won't go as well. No, I. I We'll stick to Dark Knight because I have a lot more to say about the others. But <laughs> so you subtract fifty, sixty million dollars. Let's adjust it because that was a few years ago. Movie mm-hmm. tickets have gone up like a few hundred bucks since then. Um, <laughs> so there's still four hundred fifty million missing um, in terms of who goes to see the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Except uh, Dark Knight had a lot more. Uh, it it has a broader appeal yeah. than Serenity did. It had a, it had a sequel film before it. Uh, what the uh, hell did I just say? Sequel film prequel. They yeah. had a successful film before it, a successful prequel. Yeah. So I mean, it that generated a certain amount of audience, and it was you know a big hit on on DVD. So 
that expands the audience. So you've got a bigger and there was all the press, uh, the, the, the press Heath over Ledger. uh, yeah, Ledger's death, right? So and then it was the uh, right. that it was the performance of his life, right? And, and, and I mean, it, the, his performance has gotten him an Oscar nomination and a Golden Globe. So I mean, but the, the, those then, but those aren't science fiction fans. We're, no, we're looking at the the top. That's what I mean. That that it sort of transcends just the science fiction base. Exactly. I think yeah. all of these films that are that we you know these top twenty five ones sort of transcend that that base, um, and a lot of them too. Like I mean, movies like Transformers and Iron Man are big summer blockbusters. Like they're gonna make a shitload of cash without really trying. Yeah. No. Like, the like Lord of the thing. Rings, like. Uh, when I was growing up, yeah, you'd get beaten by the cool kids if you were saying, I've got my Lord of the Rings trilogy right here. <laughs> yeah, and now, yeah, like, everybody has either read it or watched it, and, yeah, it's, yeah. that's, that's an, well, an, another so, one okay, of those. So then why does a science fiction film like Serenity or, um, okay, Outland just came out, which is sort of a science fiction fantasy thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um it it doesn't attract um, a huge audience right. the way that that you know, um, like say Outland was just a science fiction film right. or just a, um, a a historical drama, yeah. it would probably get um, that audience kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like I lost track of my own thoughts. So, <laughs> but but they don't. But these kinds of movies don't generally get a lot of respect critically. No, mm-hmm. Serenity. I I shouldn't have said Serenity because it did have a back. It did have a backstory. There was there was uh, uh, eight, eighteen. Was it eighteen? Thirteen or 14 thirteen episodes. episodes. Yeah. So my debate is: we're looking at this top uh, twenty-five list. Almost everything you see there is something that has that's been built upon, mm-hmm. except for Forrest Gump. Um, everything else has some other media that has that has uh, perpetuated this uh, movie. Dark Knight, of course, going back to uh, 1939 with Detective Comics, <laughs> Star Wars. Well, that that in itself is a franchise. Uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. That's a bit of a dark horse. Uh, then you've got the comic book movies with uh, all the others: Spider Man, Iron Man. Um, the Harry Potter. I mean, everybody's read it. So yeah. um, I'm, that... I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it's so low on that list. That, yeah, that the Sorcerer's yeah. Stone, because yeah, yeah, absolutely, every kid has has read those books. Now here comes a movie like say Chronicles of Riddick, which I thought was 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 a I thought it was really well done. It had a really deep myth. Like there was a very deep mythology. There was a lot. A lot of work done in in the background, backstory, backstory mm-hmm. the characters, the uh, every everything. Um, what were those guys called? The necros. Yeah. Um. Like there is, you could tell somebody really put a lot of work in the story and such. Yet all we had going into Chronicles of Riddick, if at the, at that was was Pitch Black, and I don't think Pitch Black <laughs> built a fan base enough to uh, to. Well, to it, justify a repeat. See, and that's that's the sense. Like, Pitch Black's fan base did didn't really care for Chronicles of Riddick too much because it was completely far and away well, from what the Pitch Black was and felt like. Well, our connection with Pitch Black was was uh, was the was the main character's uh, affiliation with the girl. I thought Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah. Um, 
Riddick's <laughs> connection with with this uh, with this girl, and um, I think the second movie would have six had more success if we had seen that established a lot sooner than the uh, second act on the planet crema- crematoria mm-hmm. where he basically runs into her and it and the movie's half over um for the first first act it was basically too much uh, alien we we couldn't connect with anything in the movie and a lot of what i see here on the top 25 are things that we've connected with before either through pa- previous movies or um or different medium, me- different medium. Yeah. Um, so we're familiar with it enough that we're we're willing to go in new and different wild directions, um, and that's that's what science fiction is all about. Okay, well, so basically you're saying that a franchise film is going to have a, a broader a broader audience, established established audience. fan base, yeah. and they're gonna and then they're bringing their friends and all that sort of shit. So that's mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. what's doing it, and sort of the one offs like. Um, Forrest Gump and well, well, I'm talking about stuff that we're not seeing on here, oh. ones that weren't as successful. Well, I mean, like, Forrest Gump is Forrest Gump. You could even look at it. The look at the fact that we we already had the established knowledge of the, of history. JFK and yeah. and and the and the Vietnam War and everything that happened in that movie. We can say that we were either living through it or we've read a lot about it. So we we had that connection already. Okay, so um, we could take a a. a a character that had been invented and go with it. But I think the aspect of Forrest Gump too was the, the, um, the simpleness of the character and, um, the, the little phrases and stuff like that made good bumper stickers. I mean, it, it connected with the audience on a different level. It wasn't as a sci-fi or a fantasy fantasy level. Mm -hmm. It was that, that human, um, Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I, I know it, what you're it, talking about. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to put into it, it words. It kind of pulls on the heartstrings and gets gets you all emotional, rather than sort of pumps you up and yeah. adrenalizes you the way that an, that a, that a science fiction. Or, or... Well, let's look at uh, species. That would be a good one. That's there you like, go. Uh, okay. Nice Very hard science. Middle, yeah, uh, didn't have anything going into it. And made enough money that it spawned, uh, unfortunately, uh, a couple well, of sequels. One but theatrical sequel. H.R. Geiger has a huge fan base. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and the trailers were kick-ass. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I, and Michael I'm Madsen has millions of fans. Yeah, and Michael Madsen. And, Plus on, the Natasha fact that, yeah, that we knew that Natasha Hentridge would get naked in it. That was yeah. one of my uh, drawing well, points to go see it in the theater. Well, another drawing part with of it too was that it was an R-rated science fiction film, which was yeah. something that you hadn't seen yeah. in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it was the summer of uh, Batman and Robin and Congo. So what else could you see? Yeah. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, I went to go see Congo as well. <laughs> All right. So since we've we've got we've our our top twenty-five is pretty franchise heavy. Maybe we can scoot into looking at uh, some of the franchises. My little friend, get something jammed in here real good. Were you on a star cruiser? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. What's this? What is what? He asked you a question. What is that? Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Oh, he says it's nothing, sir. Merely a malfunction. Old data. Pay it no mind. Who is she? She's beautiful. 
I'm afraid. I'm not quite sure, Help sir. me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think Why she was a passenger help? on our last voyage. A person of some importance, as I believe. Our captain was attacked... Is there any to... more to this recording? Behave yourself, R2. You're going to get us into trouble. It's all right. You can trust him. He's our new master. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, some of the franchises then. Let's uh, start off with Star Wars. Do we uh, want yes. to do this one through six or... Should we do like four through six and then one one to three? That's great. Yeah, yeah. that would work. So, 77. Uh, see, back in 1977, I wasn't allowed to go see it. I wasn't even born yet, so... Shut your... You, you were older <laughs> than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, Star Wars, Star Wars as like as a as an audience participant was um, life changing in how you watch movies. Yeah, yeah. I had never seen anything like it before. We sat in the very front row with our heads craned up at the screen, yeah. and the last you know the last ten minutes of the fifteen minutes of the movie with them going through the the passages and the Death Star and everything, yeah. we had sea legs walking out of there. Like, it was just, it was a ride. You had never seen yes. anything like that before in a theater. Yeah. It it changed everything. Mm-hmm. I, saw it, I saw it a day after Elvis died. So back in 77, um, I, uh, I totally remember it. It was one of the first movie memories. My first was Poseidon Adventure back in 73, but... Um, I don't think I re- I don't recall much uh, since then. Other, um, but seventy seven, totally. And and what you were saying about audience participation, like just the whole audience was on its feet. You yeah. never see that now, never. Yeah, the the when I went to go see it, it wasn't until like nineteen seventy eight, the the summer of seventy eight, uh, and saw it at a drive in, uh, a triple play drive in. The first movie. Can't remember what it was. The second movie was Mother Jugs and Speed. Oh yes. And the yeah. third movie was Star Wars, and yeah, and it was awesome. Well, that and that too. I mean, that goes back to the whole release model that they did back then as well too. Mm-hmm. It was in the theaters for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the town that I lived in, it came back at least twice. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all about hype. I mean, you're you would go to your theater in your town. Um, and find out when it was coming, and it was uh, usually three or four months later than <laughs> anyone else. Yeah. And so All you would too. go home and and sit there and wait. It's not not, not the, the magic's not there anymore. You basically yeah. get it before the movie comes out. You'll probably see three quarters of it yeah. on the internet, and um, the, the anticipation's not there. We we. We, we no longer... Well, I think now we're so jaded as well, too, that it's like, you know, you're almost sitting there going into a movie like that, or yeah. a new movie that's, you know, big blockbuster and, and basically going, okay, come on, impress me. I yeah, dare yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, like, and, and don't have all the best parts in the trailer. Yeah. Right. Whereas back back then, we had... It came it came out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it was... I don't I don't remember a lot of hype for the movie before it was released. All the hype, hype right. came after, and I mean, like, yeah. in a big way. But I, well, I, he was. It was in '76 Comic Con. Howard Chaykin did a, a number of. Uh, he did a promo poster for it in the '76 Comic Con. There was there was <laughs> Star Wars. Actually, was one of the first uh, movies to 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 try to establish its coolness with the fan base, and it w- it went out there. I mean, it would be cool yeah. to go back in time and see see what the Comic Con looked like in '76, <laughs> but. <laughs> He, you know, they they gave out promo posters. They showed some clips. Um, uh, they published the book, I believe, 
four or five months before the movie came out, and and so there was an attempt to 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 captivate an audience and to generate word of mouth. I think at the that. time though, Fox was so so worried about the fact that the budget had gotten to twelve million dollars that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Twelve million dollars. Keanu Reeves wiped his ass with that much money yes. during the fucking remake of uh, uh, what the hell? Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah, yes. you know, and yeah. I mean, like, and it's it, it, there. You go, you know, a new movie that was just so there. Like, yeah, right. A, it was so I mean, mediocre that. But but was it? I mean, like, yeah. you, you think about it. If you saw that movie in seventy seven, it would have impressed the shit out of you. But yes, like, it's, it we've seen everything now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going oh, back, yeah. I, like okay, so Star Wars, it it spawned two sequels and three prequels. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's so much, um, there's so much. Star Wars is so prolific in terms of how so many people have grabbed a part of it and and sort of expanding that world. And it's right. part of their life now. Yeah. Right? yeah, you know, you've got you've got all the novels and stuff like that, that they've made based on it, comic books, cartoons. Yeah. There is a religion. Based on it now? Yes. I'm just talking about, you know, the Star Wars oh. universe itself. Like, you know, you've got fan films that have been made, yeah. uh, fan edits, like, that have re- right. re-edited the film, getting Jar Jar Binks out of uh, Phantom Menace. Right. <laughs> What's it called? The the Phantom Edit? It's something like, you can, yeah. like, download it or something. Yeah. Like, and they, they cut Binks out and stuff like that. I mean, this the people that are attached to Star Wars are attached to it in a way that um, you don't... You don't your next step would be cult. Like, you right, know? Right. Yeah. Well, Leonard Nimoy said it when, uh, I believe it was Leonard Nimoy when Gene Roddenberry proposed Star Trek, the next generations. And there was this, uh, off quoted, uh, saying lightning in the bottle. And, um, the, the belief was that you couldn't capture it twice. And next generation went on to, to, to be just as successful or even more. Um, I Star Wars and to a lot of uh, to a big extent, Empire Strikes Back was lightning. Mm-hmm. Was the first time, and uh, I I think everything after that was was just an attempt to relive that magic. Um, if you break down Star Wars, it's a very very simple tale. It's a number of tasks if you look at it, and um, once again, I was talking about the the whiz bang opening of it that's to sort of awe the audience to mm-hmm. sort of go back down to this dusty little planet and follow Luke. I mean, Luke, <laughs> Luke's tasks, basically, he started off, here's a Jedi Knight eventually, who's trying to go and get power converters in Tashi Station. I mean, this is <laughs> that was the first task in the movie, and then gradually you build up on that. Okay? He's one of <laughs> oh yeah, I I know. Oh no no, it's underneath his shirt, it's like it's a full Star Wars uh, graphic mural and tattoos. I mean, but that was how that was how it 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 grabbed such a huge oh, fan yeah, base. I, I mean, I mean, it, these it, these it, little it, it was a great build up in that movie from from a little farm boy, and then he goes to Moss Eisley. He basically um, gets out of that situation. They fly to the Death Star, rescue the princess. That's a bigger situation. Then there's a blow up the Death Star, even bigger. And it was a great buildup. And, and, and the payoff was amazing. That's why yeah. people were on their feet in, in this movie. And Empire was very similar. Um, once again, he starts off, he's running around with a lizard on an icy planet. And 
there's a lot of stages he makes until he confronts his father and there's a huge battle but but each step is is a gradual build up it's it's a full journey yeah mm-hmm. here's what the prequels these this is why the prequels fail is because phantom menace you're introduced to a character a little boy who lives on tatooine he's supposed to be a slave but he lives in like the freaking it looks like uh, some desert duplex, and this, he doesn't <laughs> seem that bad off. He and, and doesn't look like, like he's he has enough farm. money to build yeah. a robot. And, and you know, his slave master is this goofy-looking, flapping creature, which you could run away from in no time. And <laughs> it, it, it didn't look believable. And and what is the first task that he that he accomplishes? He wins a freaking pod race. That's like <laughs> so huge. That could be like the. That could be the ending to one of these movies, but here he's just blown right through the pod race. He should they should have started off once again and built up, and 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 so going back to capturing lightning in the bottle, it, it'll never happen like that again because nobody has followed that formula. There's never been a payoff as as well or as good as the original movie, and if for a lot of people, the second one as well. Well, do you think that um, that maybe the first three Star Wars films had an advantage over the like the, the the original trilogy had an advantage over the new trilogy in that audiences weren't as jaded back then, so you could have um, you could tell that first part of the journey and have a satisfying climax. Then you could you could tell the second part and have a satisfying climax, right. and you could tell the third part and have a satisfact satisfactory climax. But the third time, by the time Lucas made the first three. Um, we needed a climax every 20, 25 minutes. Right. So maybe that's why the pod race had to be, you know, stuck in the middle. And then you had to have the next climax and the next climax. And then, okay, we can end this chapter. And then we can go through this whole rise and fall again in the next right. chapter. So maybe he was sort of at a disadvantage before he even started. I, I, I Trust me, I'm not trying to make arguments for... For the new trilogy, that, I, I think they're abominations. But yeah, um, that's really sad. But, I mean, I I think he he purposefully, well, he listened to a lot of of what was going on and feedback from audiences about Jar Jar. He took Jar Jar out of two and two, three, yeah. um, and I'm sure if you look at the original, you know, treatments for these uh, second and third movies, Jar Jar would probably be fighting up there on the in the lava fields and he probably knocked yeah. off Anakin's arm or whatever. I mean Jar Jar probably <laughs> had a huge role, but Lucas started listening and and that's unfortunate cuz I think Lucas is best when he's a renegade and he's he's not listening to studios and and test audiences and such. And that's what made Star Wars and Empire so successful and But don't you think some of like okay, even some of the terminology and stuff like that that he invented the second time around was just ridiculous like well, it Mark talked about uh, Jedi religion. Am I right? Well, Lucas wrote himself out of that sort of uh, conundrum by making uh, the Force the a science-based notion. I mean, that was so that you know people aren't praying to the throne of Lucas in five hundred (laughs) years. I mean, now midichlorians are these little animals that live in in creatures, and it's not some mystical thing that we can um, vote as being an official religion as the UK has. So flame on yeah. UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that actually that that whole part of the prequels that bothered me a lot. 
See, like I, I, I enjoy the Star Wars um, franchise on a really surface level. Like I, I really, I haven't got my fingers and mm-hmm. and toes into it, and and just you know, I, it's pretty and it's exciting mm-hmm. and it's fun it's and simple. it's yeah. simple too. Yeah. I mean, look at the original, the original movie, and 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 how it the flow of the movie was very simple i mean he was uh, lucas was lo- was looking at myth and and modern day retelling of a myth and a myth is a very simple stage stif- simple stages steps that build up to a logical conclusion i mean look at phantom menace man look at the opening crawl of the movie and there's trade embargoes and <laughs> diplomats and jedi and it just didn't make sense and 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 unfortunately lucas he yeah he totally well, just yeah i mean you got more into the politics of everything that was happening and and all that sort of stuff what was cool i mean like in the second one where you actually saw like um a city you actually got a sense of some sort of futuristic mass right. population and stuff like yeah. that we he, he he did he showed us sort of other aspects of what was going on the first time around kind of thing but it just it wasn't really that interesting mm-hmm. like it was it was more interesting when you had rebels fighting against an establishment right mm-hmm. and sort of seeing how that establishment came to be wasn't as exciting as watching it come down yeah no. So I, I I think like I said I think he was sort of at a disadvantage to begin with, and because he didn't really sort of meet rise to the challenge, it the the first the the prequels were lesser films than which than is unfortunate because I was kind of looking forward to the next three sequels that were supposed to come. Right. Yeah, I really don't. But want I don't to see think they're anymore. gonna they're not gonna come now. Well, oh, they'll come. But do you would you would you, do you want to see them? Well, I might for it's completion. gonna be it's gonna be exactly okay because I mean logically okay you've got the the first three setting everything up mm-hmm. the second one tearing it down so the third one's gonna be rebuilding everything you're gonna see the restructuring so it's gonna be more political again see unfortunately also uh it should have actually taken place right after uh the first three were shot they should have right. done the second three so that they could have done Luke going into uh, the dark side of the force, and right? Yeah, like um, you're thinking of heir uh, to the empire. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, okay. So well, yeah, this is the, this. The, I take uh, it this is like the comic books or the books that are written outside. The books. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay, all right. So I think we've we've, we've covered Star Wars pretty good. Um, oh no! We well, I, 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 well, there you, maybe, maybe we Star shall. Wars maybe maybe episode. that'll be maybe, See, that'll be. A, we a, we never once mentioned Yoda. No. There. Well, but we did bring up Jar Jar three or four times. Yeah, and actually, he was in the second movie, but only for like uh, a brief little well, time. He was in the third one as well. He, he was, was like uh, he was leaving with, the, or he was there with the kids when they were about to send off. Uh, um, Jar Jar with uh, Jimmy yes. Spitz. Yeah, there. Jar Jar yeah. was in. Yeah. There. Anyhow, <laughs> so okay, so for all of Star Wars simplicity and everything else, we've got Star Trek with its um, yeah. it. it a little more complex, uh, and a lot more. Um, I would say uh, rose-colored glasses version of the future as well. Like they're 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 a lot more happier. Everybody everybody works together. They're all nice. Sure, there's like big fights against different species, 
but I, everybody on Earth is all happy and skipping and holding hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think that Star, Star Trek fans would say that um, Star Trek is a lot more intelligent and, and everything else than, than the Star Wars uh, universe. Would you agree that it's more complex and and... Maybe a little well, bit more. The only the, the only reason why it might be more complex and more realized is because it's had like uh, we're talking about since movies. Like, I know, but but it's also building on uh, the '60s TV series and everything else up to that, plus the the other TV series as well. Like like there is a huge mythos there compared to the Star Wars ones, which are just contained in. Six movies plus a couple of cartoon shows. And... So would you say that Star Wars is just Star Trek's dumb, good-looking cousin? <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I, I wouldn't even say that because uh, they're both like they both have their merits, right? So because I, I am more of a Star Trek fan than I am of a Star Wars fan. Well, let's pretend Star Wars came out in the late '60s as a TV series, and we had three years to follow Luke around in some mediocre adventures with cardboard <laughs> backdrops and. and... <laughs> Yeah. Flashing Christmas lights, and... Christmas lights, and and such, and then come out with Star Wars once again. I uh, well, they, it would it would have just even made it more incredible the box office. I'm sure. I mean, Star Trek had this three years from '66 to '69 that we could establish um, a connection with the characters, the main characters, uh, uh, Shatner, Nimoy, Kelly. We we were able to build that connection and. Um, even though it was shoddy and and the effects were were well, unless you watch the new Star Trek with the uh, re-added or newly added uh, special effects. Director's cut or oh, is that like the, the original uh, uh, has special? Uh, oh, is that like the uh, the the Lucas re-release? Of oh, the... don't, we'll go. We'll get there. But but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you. Uh, if I recall, you talked about in your eighty or. Seventy nine show about Star Trek and how your disbelief was, you know, how could this really boring movie, three hours long of just panning uh, over giant spaceships, yeah, be, a lot of long so, tracking shots, uh, yeah. so good. Well, we we all wanted to go see the the continuing adventures of these characters we we spent three years with. I mean, even when growing up in the seventies, I saw them in reruns and oh, yeah. syndication over and over, over and over, over. Yeah. i wanted to go i wanted to see what happened i i left disappointed i wasn't really i left before it was over <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it was a lot more highbrow than the tv show was right yeah but they rectified that in in the sequel i mean wrath of khan is very accessible yeah very um, accessible Different different Khan directors i mean here's here's day. robert wise he did the first one who was uh, about he was, he was only like in his he was, 80s at that point, wasn't he? He, um, and to him, that I was a fast 60, movie. He was in his movie? 60s. He just he died a few years ago. He was um, he died. And he was 90. So yeah, 60s, late 60s. Um, and the second movie was this young upstart, hotshot director. Um, forget his name. But Mark will rescue me in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> faster, Mark! Faster! Damn it! I'm typing. <laughs> Nicholas Meyer, who went on to uh, thank you, Mark, <laughs> <laughs> who went on to uh, do episode six of the Star Trek, uh, the Undiscovered Country, 
But Nicholas Meyer also did something you would like, uh, Alan, time after time, if I'm correct, Mark. Time after time, that's um, the Malcolm McDowell one. Yeah. Uh, when did he? Yeah, he did that in 1979. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about was, that with, uh, Malcolm He was the writer McDowell, of that, too. But... Yeah. So it it was a lot to do with the vision of the director. I think. I mean, you've got an established. I mean, I mean, look at look at Star Wars. I mean, the, I think a lot of it had to do with the directors. Uh, Irv Kershner did did Empire Strikes Back, and Richard Marquand in in uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean, the prequels are all Lucas. Basically, Lucas's uh, big mistake. He should have. Um, should have uh, used some other other well. He other brought people in. And, he brought in writers too, like Lawrence Kasdan, and that's know, right. Yeah, you know, and um, Lee Beckett for Empire. Um, he's had Tom Stoppard actually was apparently the, the helping him out for Revenge of the Sith in an uncredited um, capacity. Um, but then you know, Bruce Villanche. Do you know who that yeah, Bruce Villanche is? Well, <laughs> could you believe Bruce Villanche was the head writer for? The holiday special in '78. I could believe that. Yeah, that was the <laughs> Chewbacca one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. So it's hit and miss. Yeah. So do we have more to say about Star Trek? Um, um, we've gone back to Star Wars. <laughs> 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 uh, to me, uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. That was, yeah, that was the epitome of what Star Trek should have been. Yeah, I, agree. I, 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 was, I was never a big Star Trek fan. Of the movies, my favorite was. Um, uh, the one with Elfrey Woodard and uh, um, First Contact. Uh, yes, um, yes. Crone. Uh, 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 no. Uh, um, nominated for Babe. He was just in W. Hume Crom- uh, no. Cromwell. Cromwell. Yeah. Uh, James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Yes, yes, yes. Hume Cronin. <laughs> <laughs> but he was dead by then. <laughs> Not in Star Trek, you know, right? You can go back in time. <laughs> Let's see him. All right, so we're done. Oh, yeah, with he played uh, oh, the guy that created the warp drive. That's right. Um, yeah. Cochran. Yes. yes. Zephyrin Cochran. Zephyrin Cochran. Yes. See, I like Elfrey Woodard. That kind of that got me. So, I mean, they're going to revisit that for Abrams' new movie, Star Trek Eleven, coming out this May. That's going to be a lot of time travel elements and, and how time changes. Um, as as Abrams has said, the the new movie is going to adhere to the continuity of the previous movies. However, we see very different things hmm. in the trailers. So uh, it'd be very I haven't watched any of the trailers. I've been I've been avoiding it because I want to I want to go in blind when I when I see it. You might leave blind. <laughs> <laughs> Poke your eyes out in horror as they. Yeah. <laughs> So we're done with Star Trek? Uh, yeah, may as well. All right. So uh, the next franchise we can talk about briefly here is uh, Alien. The uh, This this project gets handed around. Like every everyone in the franchise, well, excuse me, has had a different director. Either, a, well, actually they were all up and coming pretty much when they were yeah. were handed, handed the mm-hmm. films. You had uh, Ridley Scott doing the first one. Uh, James Cameron doing the second, uh, David Fincher doing the third, and um, Junot. Yeah, Jean 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 Jacques. Jean Paul. Jean 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 Jean
He did um, uh, City of Lost Children. <laughs> no, Delicatessen. I love. Oh uh, yeah, Delicatessen was, was awesome. Um, okay, so now this is one too, which is you know it's kind of like, um, well, especially the first Alien film. Is it a, a is it a science fiction film? Is it a horror film? Second, or one, it could be it... a Trekker film because that was there the that was yeah. the genre yeah. at the time. BG and the Bear in Space. Convoy. Uh, Spooky the Bandit. BJ and the Bear actually wasn't it? Because BG was yeah. BJ, sorry. <laughs> um, second one is it an action film or is it a is it a science fiction film? You know, like I would, I mean, because that's that's my biggest gripe with the second one is that it is more of an action film and it is a science fiction film. Yeah, or at least at least the the vision of of the future that uh, Ridley Scott had given us initially. Um, Anything anybody has to say? The I guess we could say first of all that the the movie really has H.R. Geiger to thank. Oh yeah, in a big way. Yeah, for for doing the original designs in the first one that, in some way, shape, or form, were carried out through to yeah. the end. Um, do you think it would have been a different franchise had Scott stuck around? Uh. What would he have done with for the second one that Cameron didn't do? Or well, if he was handed the script for the second one, how did, how do you think it would differ from from what uh, James Cameron brought? Uh, that's a tricky question. Is we know that we know that Ridley Scott can do action. He but... can, but at that point he hadn't. I mean, the, he did this. He did Blade Runner. Then he did Legend. Um, he didn't really do a, like a really kind of pure action film until Black Rain in, what would that be? 89, 89, 90. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the pacing would definitely be different. Like it would be probably a, a little bit more deliberate in pacing. You probably, he, he liked, uh, he liked all the smoke effects in, in the first one and stuff like that. The, mm-hmm. the, the second one's a little bit cleaner in terms of, of the look and stuff. Except when uh, there'd be an alien in the scene, then they try and obscure it with some smoke or steam or something. Um, I don't know. That's yeah, that's hard. But I'm glad all the ones who were doing it did them. Yeah, yeah. Because they all they all brought something new to them. That so where are you with uh, Alien Three? Myself, I, I think it's the it's the purest of the science fiction movies. It's a different planet, different characters, different. Uh, situation altogether um i was i i i really i really was shocked to see that the connection i had with the second movie the sequel aliens was lost right at the beginning of the third movie and i had nothing to really carry me on other than ridley who then ripley Ripley, i'm sorry um (laughs) ripley was my only connection i i I thought the these the, the relationship she had with Hicks and, and Newt in the second movie was amazing. And um, that was all severed in the third movie very early. And even Ripley became alien to me, for lack of a better word, really? because she shaved her head. And then the rest of the movie I didn't have any connection to. And I think that's why it failed. Um, I, I saw a, a trailer for it before... Um, Goodfellas back in 1990 um, the first trailer for Alien 3 was this uh, 
the scene of an egg hatching over Earth, and the I remember the audience was I never seen an audience just uh, went went nuts about it because here's your connection, here's something that we have seen throughout the last two movies hatching over Earth, and I thought it was just great, and I, I I the two years after, and there was very very immense rewrites and. Uh, changes to director and the production altogether, and what finally came out was just sure it it was pure science fiction I think, but was it was I I I don't know I I felt let down really I I like it it's my second favorite in the series yeah I I rather enjoyed it as well just uh, I I do I do I am saddened by the fact that Hicks wasn't brought forward. From the second right. movie, but I'm wondering if that was just like like a contract dispute or yeah. Well, they didn't even have um, Sigourney Weaver for sure for the third one. I mean, they really had to talk her into it. Yeah, and I think she she only signed on if she there was a clause that she would die, that they would get rid of her character. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So speaking of James Cameron, the next uh, <laughs> the next uh, franchise we have to talk about is the Terminator. Terminator franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Have at it, boys. Uh, wow. Yeah, I just remember water much in the first one, and yeah, thought it was like kick ass. Right. Yeah, the first one, I think, good. is I mean, story wise and everything, very very cool. Execution. I mean, Cameron really got his groove when he made the second one. I think right. he um, he his timing is so much better. His yeah. His shots are so much better. He just he yeah, he was he was more of of a master at his craft at that point than he was when he did the first one. First one's a little clunky and rough around the edges, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but it also it helped to establish uh, the world that yeah. they were about to live in. Like that, that's what I like. It opened up a whole a whole realm of possibilities of what could be happening and it's like it's kind of easy to see why it became more successful mm-hmm. on home video than it did in theater because i think it would play better on a smaller screen i think that some of the the film's flaws aren't quite as um glaring as as they would be on the big screen mm-hmm. um but i mean he he brought it in a big way with terminator 2 oh yes yeah the only problem i have with terminator 2 was uh furlong edward furlong oh. yeah i just see he didn't bother me See, for me, I just, uh, just a little bit too much of a snotty kid. I, he was, but I mean, and you know what? As It's interesting because as central as he was to the movie, when I walked out of there, he wasn't what I took. I mean, mm-hmm. fucking Linda Hamilton was amazing in that movie. Arnold was excellent. And Robert Patrick, come on, like, you know. As this, a T-1000, yeah. I mean, they were so smart by bringing in an actor that nobody knew. And... Because I mean, he and I, I think that it probably stigma, um, stigmatized his career after that. Because when you see him, all you think is Terminator Two. He was the he was the T one thousand. You know, yeah. there was, and he was fucking evil. Like for a machine, he was. Yeah. You know, you you really hadn't seen um, something that was supposed to be pure technology as um, ravenous as he was. Like he was like a fucking rabid dog. Like it was, it was crazy, and yet having that really, really cool demeanor. But you know what I mean, like the and, and just, he wasn't built 
buff, like no, like, exactly, the, like the T eight hundred. Yeah, just kind of unassuming but seething. Like it was just, mm-hmm. he was great. He was great. Um, so yeah, Furlong didn't bother me that much. Like he, he was, he was a device that had to be there. There, there was no getting around it, and he was okay. And the interaction between him and Schwarzenegger was actually fairly funny. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, as a character, he was a little shit and he was mm-hmm. annoying, but he had some great scenes with uh, Schwarzenegger. I'm interested to see where they're going to be bringing it with uh, was it Terminator Salvation coming out. Yeah. Well, there's Rise of the Machines in between. <laughs> Is it? Well, yeah, Terminator, Terminator 3, 3, Rise of the Machines. Yeah. Oh. But no, like, it's coming out in... Uh... Yeah, Salvation's yeah, coming out next year. I'll we'll talk about the one we saw. Yeah. <laughs> first. What, do you, what, do, what are your thoughts on the third one? I liked it, and I didn't like it in places. Um, I thought it was kind of... Uh, Kind of neat that, yeah, she saved him by making sure that the rest, rest of humanity kind of died. Cameron has a bad, has a, he's got his, this, this way of directing that really is difficult to, to, to build upon. I mean, if you're coming after a Cameron movie, you're, you're, you're screwed because his <laughs> frenetic pace and everything, um, is over the top. Uh, it's it's really hard to bring bring a franchise back, such as what what happened with Fincher and Alien Three, to uh, the elements that were in the first movie. I mean, he, I mean Cameron did the first and second Terminator, but um, he he as you were saying, Ellen, he 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 really upped his up upped his game in the second one, and um, to sort of start looking back at, at the themes from the first movie and the third movie. And it, it's hard to go back because a lot of the audience is now looking for the, the same sort of James Cameron style mm-hmm. of direction. And but even in terms of the story and stuff like that, don't you think that it kind of sucks away some of the hope that we were left with in the second one? Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally. That, yeah. that, that the future could be avoided. Yeah. But this one here kind of cemented the fact that no, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that felt like a bit of a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but then if you... I want my 1250 back now. <laughs> <laughs> then there wouldn't be a franchise. And of course, that's yeah. a, that's what drives drives a lot of the movies now that you see in the top 25 is, is the fact that you people want to come back and see familiarity and, and, and similar concepts that they've seen before. So they got to come back. So you got to make part three, and and you have to sort of explain that. Well, yeah, it does happen, and there's no escaping the fact that you you know that this happened. Yeah, because if if they could have changed the future, no one's going to see Terminator: The Happy Future. Well, no, that and uh, if they would have changed the future, then there wouldn't have been an, an apocalypse. So they wouldn't have been sent back in the first place to like, it's now you're talking, it's like, a Zeno's paradox. It's like lost. Yeah. I haven't watched a single episode of lost. So, <laughs> so uh, sort of unlike um, star Trek where star Trek was born out of a TV series. Uh, Terminator has evolved into a TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you watch Sarah Con- Chronicles? No, the, the Sarah Croner Chronicles. Shut your pie hole. <laughs> I, you know I, what I was talking about? 
I yeah. watch my movie. I, I watch series all at once. I I I like the, the, keeping the story yeah. going. I can't stand waiting a week, so I'll usually watch a whole season mm-hmm. in a, in a few days if possible. So do I, have, I will do you have get interest to, in it. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And Shirley Manson, I love. I want to see. She's in the second season, so oh, I'll Hay, probably. She's, um, she's really really good at Sarah Connor as well. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably do it all at once, and I've heard great things, and it's it's queued up. It'll it'll be eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, it's all about you two here, uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember buying these books when I was in uh, grade eight uh, from Scholastic. Yeah, I had the I had the three books, and yeah, and I sat down and read them for the very first time. And I pretty much read all three books like back to back, like in about a weekend, weekend and a half, kind of thing. And it was, yeah, it was great. I prob- probably read the books maybe uh, somewhere between five and six times. Well, the the movie actually first came out in an animated incarnation, did it not? It yeah. did, and it was uh, it was kind of. Um, it was strange. It was it was almost like like a live action animation. It was rotoscope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so basically film it and paint over tracing. Yeah, the actions of and the it people. was um, dark. I found it very dark. Not uh, dark as in like story wise, but just dark visually. Like I had a hard time seeing it. Maybe it was my TV. I only had like a little fourteen inch TV at the time. What's <laughs> well, that? Kind of. I don't know. Ralph kind of looked like that bad NFB kind yeah. of animation. Well, that's that's Ralph Braschke who did the movies. Uh, did he also did Wizards and um, Fritz the Cat? Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it was. It, uh, it also that. ended before well, it should have. Well, it ended at the battle, the second battle at the at Deep Helm, mm-hmm. or what was that place called? Helm's Deep. Helm's Deep. Deep's Helm. Deep Helm. <laughs> Helm's Deep, and um, that's where it, that's where it basically ended. Um, I think, but I think at the time there was talk of continuing it, and mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a, a huge hit. Um, they did do Return did. of the King on a TV. Uh, they did eventually ended up on a, uh, on mm. television in back in eighty one, I think. Or there was 82. an animated Hobbit as well, wasn't there? Yes, yes. Yeah, so that was like a like a true animation that one. I watched that one. Yeah. Um so in the in the in the wake of all of that was the Peter Jackson trilogy. What are your guys' thoughts? Um New Zealand is a very beautiful place. I want to go visit. Yeah. <laughs> Love how you go right to the heart of the science fiction of it there, the the fantasy, fantasy yes. Uh I don't know, I think it was a very a very well realized version of the book like like the book itself is still a lot more dense like tolkien's world that that he created was yeah. just so much more than yeah. what the the book could be fit into the three hours plus of of the movie but was it well edited then did they pull out the right stuff and leave the, the yeah. unnecessary yeah. behind or yeah i would say it was fairly well edited because did they win an oscar for editing we won an Oscar for everything well, I mean, else. Editing the text like, from the book into a screenplay. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was well done. I, I rather enjoyed enjoyed it. I haven't sat and watched all nine hours plus of all three movies 
uh, back to back, but uh, I still enjoyed it visually and uh, emotionally. Do you, because um, I mean, Peter Jackson's films to that point had been very, with the exception of Frighteners, very low budget and very kitchen sink kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Did the, <laughs> did the special effects really surprise you? Uh, considering Peter Jackson's special effects from what, what bad taste, uh, what else did he do that was dead alive? Oh, dead alive. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, he was doing those special effects himself, right? He wasn't, Mm -hmm. uh, farming them out to a digital house to do them. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, but the digital house was made for that series was it not well it's, um it was originally frighteners that he started this yeah. digital house down in in new zealand um and he kept a lot of the 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 programs he basically started from scratch he found out it was cheaper to start start up weta weta to start up mm-hmm. from from nothing and and make your own other than calling up ilm yeah. or somebody to do it and so at the end he had this this all this all these effects and um I think that's how he shopped out shopped the fact that he could, uh, could direct these movies mm-hmm. but it did turn out as you had said earlier that it was it didn't look a lot like his earlier work there was no model work it was you could tell it was all computer generated mm-hmm. and uh, that's a that's a big you know it, it, as much as you know, as realistic as it looks, it still feels alien to the viewer, the audience, over makeup and mm-hmm. models, and I, I think you you become detached from from the whole thing. So you're 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 saying you're aware of of the computer generated stuff then? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lucas had the same problem as as we'll talk about later with the, the special editions. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a. I think it it, it can become a tool, but it's it's also a, a big. Cr- it's also a huge crutch for a lot of directors nowadays. Let's throw some special effects in there. Yeah. Let's do a green screen here. We'll. Well, add and in maybe post. and maybe using them before they're really ready as well. Like mm-hmm. I mean, look at like Bat. You mentioned Batman and Robin earlier. Like that opening scene in Batman and Robin, um, where they're surfing down the freeze frozen trail or whatever. Like it, it was ridiculous. You could tell that it was CG. It, it didn't move right. Um, the end of a racer with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger when the, there's supposed to be people up on top of that um, cargo thing. You could totally tell that 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 wasn't real. That it was completely animated. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, when they when they start using the effects before they're really ready, and you, you know what I mean, like, okay, um, let the right one in. Yes, the the visual effects in that movie were, were seamless. Absolutely, you were yeah. unaware of it. It was you sort of saw it in your head afterwards, kind of thing. Like it was done so slickly mm-hmm. um, that it didn't interfere with the story. So, I mean, that's how there, there's an example of something that they worked within mm-hmm. the realm of their capabilities. So, are you saying that maybe Lord of the Rings was a little too ambitious for? Well, they did some of the effects in camera as well, like uh, um, a lot of the height things, like Gandalf here and Frodo was oh, forced perspective, yeah, yeah. just to make, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I've heard you can see like um, car tracks, like tire tracks through some of the scenes in the background and stuff yeah. like that as well. Yeah, there's a car in the background. Yeah. One scene yeah. <laughs> when they're running through the cornfield, apparently. Or there's a when they look when you there's a shot of the village the the smoke's going into the chimney. <laughs> it was a it was backwards <laughs> shot. So, but I mean something as 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 well. well it, it's embraced magic smoke. By, Come on, you'll you'll catch these things. I'm sure you'll catch things in other movies too if you watched them as mm-hmm. as some of the diehard fans. You you could see you know Marley and me. Hey, wow. I never saw that in Marley and Me. You know, some I never saw that movie. I'm just using something current. <laughs> but you know, I didn't know Jennifer Aniston's nose changed directions twice in the in the, in the two scenes. Um but who watches Marley and Me more than once? You can't watch it more than once. I haven't, I haven't watched it once. <laughs> Okay, we gotta we gotta pick up the pace here a little bit. Let's uh, go Harry Potter next. Uh see, I are I you, really are, enjoyed the books. Are you a book? Are you a reader of the books? No, no, no. Really, you haven't read them to your kid yet? No. Oh, wow. No. Uh, I no. don't make him justify himself. <laughs> Doesn't want to read that shit, man. <laughs> are you a fan of the series, the the movies? No, I I, I liked I liked. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban because I liked the director um, and Alfonso. and I, I thought he he brought it down to uh, he created a lot of things and the themes that were really really well done the was style was that the one that Alfonso Curian I think the the third Prisoner one was done by Guillermo del Toro yeah. wasn't it well the first but, two were done by Chris Columbus weren't they yes yeah, like the director yeah, of um, yeah. Home Alone, yeah. <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel. Um, I like the. I, like, I think. I think all the elements work, and it, and it's really well done. The book, though. I mean, I if you don't have the interest in the book, I mean, Lord of the Rings, the same thing. Yeah. Listen, I I didn't go in with too much expectation, and I thought that the movie on its own wasn't for somebody who hadn't read the books. I didn't feel it, it really mm-hmm. was that fulfilling. Um, of course, going in, if you've read the books three, four, five, sixty times, you're mm-hmm. going to go in and, f- and get a lot more out of out of the picture, um, which I did, obviously. And, yeah, and it's, it's a good point because that you you like Serenity, and mm-hmm. you, but you saw Firefly, so you're going into the movie, you're going to pull a lot out of it, right? Yeah, I already went in there loving the characters. Exactly. Yeah, Harry Potter. I mean the. It is so steeped in the pop culture right now. Like, I mean, I feel um, like I really feel left out when it comes to these movies because people talk about the characters by name, and you know, you know, like uh, who's the big bad? Uh, Lord Voldemort. Yeah, people will use him as a reference, sort of like the way they did Vader after Star Wars, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And to not be a fan hey, of these kinds of movies and not v, watch them, you really feel out of the loop. Yeah. yeah. But it, it it's not. I, if you watch any of the movies, there's no real. Uh, well, okay, the first movie possibly where Harry first finds about about the school and gets um, become like part of the school and learns about his powers. It once again, it's 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 that's the that's 
template of a myth is 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 a simple character who builds up upon that and and defeats something at the end i mean harry potter over seven books has that has that quality quality i mean eventually i'm pretty sure he defeats the 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 nemesis at the end of the seventh book or something happens to complete that that uh that story but after that there's no i i i've i've seen uh, i think i've seen all of them but i haven't felt that there's been that real continuity of of a, of a progression in the movies well that's that's because uh unfortunately so much is being taken out of the later movies like like yeah. like like the first book is like this thick but they're making the second isn't the next movie or this does the final movie going to be two parts the Deathly Hollows. They're going to uh, break it into two. Uh, that would probably be good because that is one of oh. the most com- complicated of the books. Like it's much, it's it isn't a, it isn't a kids book at that point. Yeah. It's actually more of a of a, a young adult adult uh, so, themes. And I think Warner Brothers wants an extra hundred, couple hundred million dollars <laughs> too, right? Yeah. Okay, the next franchise that we're going to talk about quickly here is the Matrix. Quickly. <laughs> Well, well yeah. we got we got we got to blast through this shit. Yeah. Um Matrix. Um blew me away. I remember coming out of that thing and I was just energized. And like you I, me and Haley went to that. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was it was a great great movie, the first one. <laughs> um again, I mean, you, you, talking about, you know, going into a theater and sort of daring the movie to show you something you haven't seen before, Matrix did it. Yeah, yeah, because you had you had a lot of things in there. You had like the science, uh, you had uh, the superhero. It was it was great, and it, I, and it borrowed stories from a lot of different places too. I mean, like mm-hmm. you could, it's derivative in the best possible way. <laughs> you know, you had the whole Alice in Wonderland thing going on, and. Um, you know, the whole epic battle between good and evil man versus machine, you know, um, bullet time. <laughs> that was cool. I mean, before it was overdone to death in every little mm-hmm. commercial and music video and cartoon and video game and <laughs> bullet time was, was pretty impressive to see. Um, the 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 green tint that the film had like mm-hmm. it was I like I like how they kind of did that really really subtly as though you were looking at an old uh, CRT screen yeah, and just the the whole lobby scene uh, oh fuck yeah that that became my um, my go to scene to use when I'm watching a new TV with a new sound system to see just how just how good it sounds because. What there's like a billion shots taken in that, like. Well, that's just, there's some really huge action centerpieces in the film, mm-hmm. um, on top of a, a very very cool you know science fiction story. Mm-hmm. Ross, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I I went in there and I was blown away. I I there at the time in the late nineties there was a lot of formula out there, and you you basically just plod out to your theater as a, as a science fiction fan and and see what's coming out that weekend and um i i that's how i went into it and i was i was quite impressed with uh bef- before i left i was blown away 
totally did not expect to see it. And the sequels? Well, the Wachowskis never planned it to be more than one movie. Um, they were sort of they in the early their first uh, press interviews. They were talking about it being just that one in its own, and um, it worked very well. But um, of course, when you make so much half a billion worldwide, uh, you got to go to the well again. You got to go back to the well, <laughs> and they were uh, Wachowskis basically at that point had. Bought in, bought into a lot of wealth, and and were were quite impressed by it, and wanted to make more, and so back back to the well. Yeah. Um, yeah. um they weren't they weren't horrible, but they well, weren't they weren't great. I think people really beat the shit out of those the, those two sequels, and there are elements of them that are very 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 good. The car chase in the second yeah. one, um, the, the the whole last bit with Neo and Trinity when they go to the um, whatever the hell the the mainframe is, and um, I mean, the, but that's just it. I mean, they could have edited those two movies down to one solid movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 Zion stuff bored the bored yeah. me yeah. off my ass. See, it it could have been. Well, let's say if if you hadn't seen the Matrix, if it didn't exist, and you went to go see these other two movies as standalone movies. You probably would have liked them, but it had a lot to live up to. Yeah, like the yeah. first movie was just so good. Yeah, and by the second, by the time the second movie came out was what, four was years it? later, and um, mm-hmm. we had been we had been bombarded with so many copies and clones. Um, bullet time had been done so many times, and 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 the same sort of formula was had been followed in so many lesser quality movies by you know i think i think reloaded and revolution and was it revolutions uh, yeah. the third one they, they they were really really successful at continuing the story and 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 concluding the story eventually um but it, by that point by 2004 was it 2000 oh yeah something it, like that yeah reloaded came out in 2003 in spring and then yeah, revolutions the came year. out six months later yeah it was just too much overload. We we it's a problem with most of the movies that come out now is we 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 see it so many, in so many other places, other mediums, and mm-hmm. we're just who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's interesting too that, that you know this was the Wachowskis' follow up to Bound. Like right. how how different could two films be, The Matrix and Bound? Like the 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 bound is very much in the here and now and very gritty and and um, moist almost you know, mm-hmm. whereas you know the Matrix was so crisp and and well especially the first half mm-hmm. very um, clean and yeah I know and what you mean stylized and and every, you know what I mean like it it was it had such a distinctive vision. Okay. Anything else about the Matrix? No, nope, because we got to get moving on here. Okay. What do we have up next? Next up is Highlander. No. Oh. Okay. Seriously, the first Highlander kicks ass. I don't care what anybody says. You can yeah. you can sit there and argue the fact that John Connery is supposed to be Spanish, but he's speaking with a Scottish accent, and 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 um oh. 
my old boyfriend there. What's his name? Christopher. Uh, Christopher Lambert. Lambert. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he's he's a French guy playing a Scottish dude, and he's totally got the French accent, and you know he's supposed to be able. To, who gives a rat's ass? This movie just was amazing. Um, I think the first time I saw it, like I was telling Mark the other night, um, went to Seven Eleven at midnight. Went back in the day when Seven Eleven actually rented out movies. And it was like one of the last things that was still left in the place. So I took it home and it really wasn't expecting anything mm-hmm. and was knocked on my ass. It was a great fucking movie. I, I waited to go see this because uh, it was rated R, wasn't it? Yes. And uh, at the time I was uh, 17 when it came out and I had to wait until I was old enough to go see it. Yeah. That... That time waiting for it just just built up my anticipation and and it it, it delivered, which well, I liked. The first two were directed by um, Russell Mulcahy, who was an early music video director, and those some of those that opening scene at the the wrestling coliseum and those fucking mm-hmm. camera shots that just fucking swoop all over like that was fucking amazing. Like those mm-hmm. were so well done. The fight sequences are like the 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 sword fights and stuff amazing that the whole the first one too with um in the underground parking lot mm-hmm. that was amazing it was just there was so much of it that was so cool um who who plays the big bad Clancy Michael Brown. Clancy Brown. yeah he was great yeah he was great on my client sides is uh uh Highlander 2 oh yes yeah. yes which uh okay Highlander 2 I didn't care for it um, I, I didn't like what they had done to the story. Like, I thought the story as it was, like, every once in a while, somebody who's born who can't die. I now, thought, hey, that's a great idea. Have you seen Highlander 2, The Quickening, or have you seen Highlander 2, The Renegade version? I've seen them both. Have you? Yeah. I, the the one that went into theaters, The Quickening, was not good. No. Was really not good. Um I do like the Renegade version. I, I could live without it being, without it existing. Like, I think that Highlander is a movie that should have been done. A single movie. And left. Yeah. Um, you know, no TV series or, or Actually, carrying uh, on. Actually, I, I kind of enjoyed the TV series. Yeah. And uh, I was found, too, like, um, as everybody knows, I work with handicapped adults. And I used to put it on. Uh, it, 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 it used to play on space at eight in the morning and I used to, I used to put it on and this one guy who would talk incessantly would shut up and watch the show. And I found out, uh, it was the same thing when I was babysitting my roommate's kid, she, she'd be crying, but as soon as the show came on, she would stop. And like this, this little baby, there was something subliminal in there, I think just, uh, it's like a... Either that or they're all left dumbstruck that you would actually sit down and watch that piece of crap TV show. Hey! <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, it was a bit, okay, a bit campy. Yeah. But... See, the second the second film, I don't mind that bad. I mm-hmm. think that, I mean, they kind of, sort of, almost talked themselves out of the hole that they, they built for themselves. Yeah. But, but, um... the Mario Van Peebles... The third one? Yeah, that I, was... You know what? I've actually never seen the third one. Really? But I've seen the fourth one. Oh. <laughs> oh, the fourth one. The one Highlander that, 3, The Sorcerer, the one, I believe, is what the, it's called. The fourth the one is uh, the one that best should be forgotten, isn't it? I didn't mind it. Endgame? 
Um, that's the one where they introduced the, they cross over the TV show with the yeah, Connor yeah. and Duncan. Wasn't yeah. that bad? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, well, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've, I've wasted an hour and a half worse. Yeah, compared to Iga, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think, I think the first one could have been a standalone film and and been mm-hmm. the better for it, but that ain't the way it worked out. Um, so lastly, we're, that we're going to talk about in the uh, franchises is Jurassic Park. Uh, when did mm-hmm. the first one come out? Ninety three. Uh, ninety three or ninety four. Yeah. Ninety three. So the first two were done by Spielberg, uh, based on Robert Crichton's no- novel. Um, okay, again, you know, as a movie goer, walking to a theater, going impressed me. Jurassic Park fucking impressed. It totally did. I. Uh, first, I went to go see it. I was in Edmonton, and there was this. Uh, I was at the best, the best sounding theater in Edmonton, and the place was packed so much so that there was this uh, middle-aged, elderly Chinese gentleman sitting in the seat directly beside me, and I can't stand having people sitting beside me. And every time a dinosaur came on the screen, he went rawr, he grabbed my arm. <laughs> so I was like, uh, it was a very effective movie. Because he was scared shitless, and you and you and you found a date. Hey, yeah, right on. <laughs> no, it was it was amazing. the The dinosaurs were unbelievable. I think that, um, I think the story, the whole, it was, it told the story so well. I mean, like it didn't lose its audience with with the science aspects of it. Because of the, you know, the, the tricks that they use, like that little, that little um, film about, you know, DNA and, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, like it really did a great job of keeping the audience um, up to everything that was going on on screen. Um, Jeff Goldblum was great in it. You know, he would, he had, uh, and I mean, he's the only one that carries over to the second one. Um, but I, that really kind of sarcastic, you know just because it can be done, should it kind of mm-hmm. attitude. And, and, um, but you had that, you got the sense of wonder from the Sam Neill character and the kids. Um, it was, it was great. I mean, it had laughs. It was, it was adventure. I think I actually yelled out loud in the kitchen scene. Oh, when the Velociraptors <laughs> were. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one time I think that yeah. I thought they, they got her kind of thing and they crashed into that. Yeah. The stainless steel <laughs> cover. Of yeah. The, like, yeah, you know, was... it was, it was like just gen, uh, genuine care for the for the characters. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic Park it, it is, is a great film. Part mm-hmm. two did not fare as well with uh, with critics and stuff. Um, it, it is definitely lesser than the first, but I don't think it's as bad as as uh, some have made it. Mind you, I'm Julianne Moore's bitch, so anything that she's in, I'm all about. But. <laughs> um, Again, I think that, you know, it continued to impress. Which dinosaur was it that we got a little bit more FaceTime with than this one? Oh, the T-Rex. Yeah. It came back to... Uh, yeah, didn't they bring, yeah, bring the T-Rex okay, back? Yeah. yeah. We sort of had the Godzilla thing happening in the second one. Right. When it comes back to the city, so Kong, Godzilla, yeah. you know, it's kind of derivative from that, but it was still fun. The third one, however, is a piece of shit. Well, I, I liked it because I, I saw Jurassic Park after reading the book thoroughly about three times over. I really thought it was great, and I thought 
this was going to be the cinematic messiah of the early 90s when it came to theaters and um i was ready to see it and i i waited in line for nine hours to see the first showing of it and there were some scenes where the that were cut out that did resurface in part three finally so that was my payoff otherwise yeah joe johnson you could really yeah well that was just it i think you could really see a change in um in the direction of the, of the film and what like I, I actually did see Jurassic Park 3 in a theater and it felt like I was watching a big blown up TV movie like he yeah. I don't know like Spielberg knew to go where to go when when the action scenes were going on yeah. this guy seemed to hold everything sort of at medium frame and everything was shot that way like mm-hmm. it, it you didn't get the close-ups you didn't get the the pullbacks the way that you should have and stuff like that he really sort of stayed in, in a very general field throughout the film and i think it, it lacked for that it didn't he didn't get that sort of same excitement uh you know what i mean you're going in and you know they're really not going to take your breath away with anything in terms of of the dinosaurs we've seen it we know that they can do it for right. there to be impressed that way so it's sort of the action sequences that you have to compensate with, and I don't think that he was able to handle them as well. As well which is really strange because uh, Joe Johnson, the director of the third one, yeah, he did. Yeah. He did Jumanji. Yeah, which is which was an awesome movie. It was an okay movie. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> okay, so we looked at a few franchises, and now do you know we what can... we forgot in franchises? What? RoboCop. Yeah. Uh... Uh... It, it's great. I, mean, I really think the original is great, and everything else is pretty much. But then you can say Starship Troopers, right? Because yeah. there's three of those. Yeah. Oh, but only one's. Only the first one was uh, theatrical. In North America. Oh, true. <laughs> true. 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 <laughs> but that, that's that's it for the franchises. I'm sure Robocop will pop up uh, somewhere along the lines here. So that is the end of the first part of our look at science fiction films over the last 40 years. Uh, big thanks for, to Ross for coming in and participating. Thank you. And um, you'll be here again with us next time to finish uh, talking this out. Yeah, right on. Okay, so until ne- till next week, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. From the start.